Fill us up, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give ourselves to you to fill us up. Fill us up, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, just this morning on the way to church and uh, while I was getting ready and things like that, I think that there is a there is a restoration of joy that we need. I think that the joy of of this what's going on in this world, the joy it's a political year and all that kind of thing, and the joy is being sucked out of us. And we need to we need to resurrect that joy. We need to restore that joy. You know. And I, and when I think about that, I think about people thinking that, that, you know, I've, I've got to laugh. I've got to smile. I've got to, no, joy ain't about laughing and smiling. Laughing and smiling is within joy. Happiness is within joy, but that's not the totality. The totality is the love of God, the joy of God permeating us and filling us and being a part of, even when we're going through the roughest, crappiest place in our life, we can still have joy. Amen? There's only about a third of you that believe that right now. Maybe you, maybe you believe it. Maybe you believe it, but you're not expressing it. Okay? Joy is an expression. See, there's times that we feel so weak. Have you ever felt weak? I have. I felt weak many times this week. And joy... It's, the, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we must dig in. We must tap in. We must drill into the the love of God because that's where the joy is. I, I'm from Oklahoma, as many of you know. Back in the, around the turn of the century, uh, the 20th century, there was a big oil boom in where I come from. And they'd set up these oil derricks that stood and while they drilled down all of a sudden they'd hit that oil you know and that oil would come up and start spraying everywhere y'all y'all saw beverly hillbillies didn't you <laughs> jed shooting out some food and hits hit some it makes the oil come up and that 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 oil it, for us is the anointing that oil for us is joy and it's joy unspeakable we can't even describe it how good it is so restore that. Begin to begin to shoot out some food in your spirit, you know. Jed Clampett going on right right here. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your joy, God. I thank you for happiness. I thank you for laughter. I thank you for for that that good feeling, even when we're going through the toughest times of our life, God. I thank you that even even in this culture and society that we live in and our uh, living our lives in. God, I thank you that we're able to look at the negative and still have joy, not allow the negative to affect our joy. Because you said in your word, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And God, we strengthen ourselves in your joy. We strengthen ourselves in you. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you so much for who you are, what you continue to do with through us, with us, in us. And God, I just thank you for this day, this time that we have together, that God, we will find that place of joy in this service. God, I thank you and I praise you that it don't just stay here, it leaves with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You received that this morning? Before you sit down, give somebody a high five and tell them I've got joy. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see y'all. This morning I I took my meds and one of the meds that I take dries my mouth out. And so I'm spitting cotton balls up here this morning. So if I drink a lot of water, you'll know why. Especially you front rowers. Cotton balls. Anyways, good to see you this morning. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church and we're just honored and, and blessed that you would find your way here this morning. If this is your first time here, what we always say around here is you're only a visitor one time. 
after that, you become family. So we're all coming to your house next weekend. You fix, you fix the good food for us. So, well, it's good to see you all this morning. I want to say hello to our online community. Thank you for joining us this morning, whether you're joining us by Facebook Live. Yeah, give them a, give them a clap. Facebook Live or our, uh, n3c.church platform, whatever you're listening by. Thank you for joining us this morning. And our Kingdom Ranch family out in California, we love you guys. Thanks for joining us this morning. And, uh, man, what a, what a good day. Amen. All right. Well, take a breath. How many of y'all got joy this morning? How many, how many of you are believing for joy this morning? All right. Good. That's a good step of faith because this morning I'm going to talk about restoring faith, not restoring joy. I already talked about that, but restoring the, the, the restoration of faith. And, uh, I, I think that being in 2024, this is a year of restoration. Our, uh, while we're getting ready to come into the new year, we're praying a lot and things like that. Our admin, Lauren Dever said, she said, I think this is a a year of restoration of joy. And she, she's the one that mentioned this. And I was like, that resonated right here. It resonated with Lynette. And so thank Lauren when you see her. Thank you, Lauren. So, um, so I think this is, this is a year of restoration. It just went off on the inside of us. And, um, I, I, as I was preparing this today, I was thinking back on where, where did we lose some things as the church? Where did we lose some things in faith? And I believe that it all really started uh, in 2020, the COVID year, right? The the uh, pandemic, and and I think you know what happened during that time. I feel like just sucked the faith out of us. It just it, it really wore on our faith because of the fact that faith brings freedom to us. When you walk in faith, you walk in freedom. And there were so many freedoms that I feel like that were um, pulled down, were smothered, were uh, squashed out. I mean, when we have medical people who we trust tell our government to tell us who we are and what we can do, that's not right. That's not right, especially people of faith. People of faith... And I thank God during that time we had a president that saw the church as essential. He saw it that it would bring in, uh, bring us back into mental, mental health and physical health that the church was essential. That was, that was, that was a good thing. But I feel like that during that time it put us in a place where we had never been before. It put us into this mode that, that just begin to suck the life out of us, even as a Christian, even, even as people who read your Bible, who study, who give devotions, who de- devote yourself to, to God, it, it began to just pull some things out of us that we had never been there before, right? I don't know about you, but I did. I mean, when, when I'm told that I've got to shut my church down because I become a contributor to the cause... That just, I mean, it made us step up and find a way to get church out to people. And thank God for the internet in that capacity. But we're past those times now. And it's time, I mean, we're not going to shut down the internet or our services on the internet. But that's, that's where we need to come back together. We need to repurpose our faith and restore our faith into, to coming into a place where we're, we're not scared. We're not in fear of getting sick. We're not scared or in fear of, of giving somebody else something. So I just, I just, during 2020, I just saw an unraveling begin to take place. And, and 2021 was, you know, we, when we went into 21, we called it a reset. But, and it was, it was a reset, but I, I think that we really haven't seen the fullness of restoration till this year. We're going to start seeing the restoration, the fullness of the restoration like we've never seen. Amen. I think even beyond, even beyond what, where we were in 2020, we're going to restore some faith things. We're going to restore the word of God. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about today is restoring our faith in God, restoring our faith in His Word, and restoring our faith in humanity. Amen. So, so here's what I was thinking. Have you ever seen those little bobblehead dogs that sit on the dash of your car? I mean, a bobblehead dog is created with the capacity to... And I believe that this church is a vehicle that's moving. We're, we're a vehicle that's moving. So at least you can have the capacity of a bobbin, uh, a, a dog with a bobbin head. So when I start saying things, just, just do this. It, it helps out the preacher, you know? Alright. It's a bobblehead dog anointing, alright? Alright, if you have your Bibles with you, go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And everybody pray that I can Get my breath. I don't know why I'm so, so, uh, trying to find that capacity in my lungs. So Hebrews chapter 11. Now, many of you, if you've been in church for very long, you know this Hebrews chapter 11 because it's what, what preachers like to call the, the hall of fame of faith. Because the whole chapter talks about men and women of faith in the Bible, uh, anywhere from Noah to, to Moses to Abraham. Uh, some of the women that are mentioned are uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife, Rahab, the, the harlot that helped hide the spies before they went into, went into the promised land. So it talks about these, these people who are in that, you know, who have reflected a life of faith. And a lot of times when I, when I read Hebrews chapter 11 and read these people, I always put them in this category that they are... You know, they live their lives by faith, so they're perfect. But you know what I found out? They were just like you and I. They were people who messed up. Noah. Noah got drunk and naked. I'm sorry, naked. He got drunk and naked. Abraham. Abraham. He didn't take God at his word. He didn't believe. He laughed when God told him that at 90 years old, he was going to have a kid. I think I would too. I can, I can relate, you know. I'm 55. If somebody come up to me and says, you're, you know, God said you're going to have a kid. I'm going to go, it's going to be a big miracle. You know, the snip, snip thing, you know. <laughs> That's going to be a miracle. Anyhow, I, I can't, you know, they're just regular people. See, it's my job. It's my job to embarrass my wife. Here, not anywhere else. It's her job to embarrass me anywhere else. I better, I better go. I better just keep going. But, but see, I think of it, you know, uh, Abraham uh, had his issues. Sarah had her issues. Uh, all these people in the, in, in the Bible, that, especially in this Hall of Fame of Faith, were just regular people who had issues. But in the, in the times that counted, the, 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 the moments that counted, they were able to walk by faith, live by faith, trust God. Amen? And so... That's what this whole chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 is about. But I want to kick this off today in, in a scripture here in Hebrews chapter 11. Not the very first one that defines what faith is. Not the very first verse, but the sixth verse. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And I'm going to read this to you this morning from a, from a, uh, a Bible called the 26 translations of the word, uh, or the word in 26 translations. So, They've taken 26 translations of the Bible and took the best of the best out of there, what they feel like um, uh, best defines or, or says what that verse says. They're not taking it out of context. They're just saying this is the best um, translation, not the best opinion, best translation. So Hebrews 11:6 and 26 translation says this, Without faith, man cannot please God. For the man who draws near to God must believe that there is a God and that he will reveal himself to those who sincerely look for him, to all who earnestly try to find him. 
Now, the New King James Version says that last line like this, to those who diligently seek him. Those who diligently seek him. And, and so as I, as I begin to read this, I, I begin to look at this, uh, as the direction we're headed to, headed the, the path we're on today. And so today I'm going to talk about restoring faith, restoring faith in God, restoring faith in the Word, and restoring faith in humanity. So, as we push into this, faith. Faith. Faith is a big word. It's a small word, it's a simple word, but it's it's big in its meaning. Because here's, here's the way that we a lot of times look at faith. Is somebody will come to you and say, well, what is your faith? What is your faith? So we'll, we'll take that, that question and we'll say, well, what, what is our faith? Our faith is what? Christianity? Our faith is, now I'm not talking to anybody in here, okay? I'm talking about general public. Our faith is Muslim. Our faith is Hindu. Or narrow it on down. Our faith is Catholic, Catholicism. Our, our faith is, uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness. Our faith is Seventh-day Adventist. Drill on down a little further. We can even go into denomination. Our faith is Baptist. Our faith is Methodist, Lutheran. Our faith is non-denominational. So we'll put that label on things. See, what I want you to understand is faith, faith is not a noun. Faith is a verb. It is an action. It's who we who we are, not not who we are in our denomination, not who we are in our religion. It's who we are in in action. Because when we begin to put labels on things uh, and use faith as a noun, we take the power right out of it. It takes no it takes no faith to be Christian. It it's Christians a part of that. Our faith is a part of being a Christian. But that's not, that's not the totality. That's not the power of faith on the inside of us. The power comes when we begin to act on it. The power comes when we put it as a, as an action in our life. Amen? Amen. So when, when 2020 rolled around and our faith got challenged, uh, politically, religiously, socially, I mean, and, and what we've seen over the last couple of, couple or three years is we've seen the, the ball start to roll in that. And, you know, social media has all of a sudden become this thing where we can express our views, but we can, we can definitely express our faith there. But a lot of times it gets just expressed our views, our, our, our opinions, our, um, the, the junk that, the, that we want people to believe about us. Instead of what it is about God. You know what I mean? So it affects us, it's, it's affected us socially. It's reflect, it has affected us politically. It has affected us, uh, religiously. And so in the midst of that, it begins to exhaust our faith. Our faith gets overwhelmed sometimes. Because anytime that we try to stand up and say something, I always tell Lynette, I said, you're good on your feet when it comes to people arguing, people throwing things at her, you know. And she's good about navigating that and knowing what to say and being on point. I'm, I stand there and look at people like, uh. I mean, I know what's going on in here, but I'm, uh. Try to avoid that conf- confrontation, you know what I mean? She jumps right in the middle of it. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen. That's why I tell her, I say, I want you to be right here. (laughs) If somebody comes after me, I just pull her in front. (laughs) Sick them. Sick them. I'll take you to Lone Star after. I'll take you to, I'll take you to Texas Roadhouse after. Give her a good steak and she'll eat anybody alive. So the first thing I want to, to, to go after today is, is can I restore my faith in God? Can I, can I restore my faith in God? 
I think, I think you can. And I think that you can restore it to the point of where it'll be better than it has ever been. And this is how to do it. It's very, it's very simple to do. And, uh, when I was five years old, I gave my life to God for the very first time. I remember being in that little Free Will Baptist church. It is a good size for Free Will Baptist in Oklahoma. This church that I got saved in was a pretty good sized church. Probably 250, 300 people is, is a good sized church for, for, the, the denomination. And so I, uh, remember that Sunday evening that I tugged on my mom's skirt and I said, I think I need to go down front. I think I need to go. And she's like, yeah, you do. But, <laughs> but she didn't say it out loud. She said, you know, why don't we, why don't we wait? No, that was a Sunday morning. She says, why don't we wait till tonight? And if you still have that on the inside of you, then we can go down and you can pray and ask God into your life. I said, all right. Sunday night, we went back, of course, you know, good southern boy with uh, going to denominational church. We had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and we was there every time the doors were open. And so that night, I the, the same invitation came in uh, from the pastor, and so I took on her skirt, and I said, yeah, I, went, I need to go. So we went down front. The pastor come down and prayed for me, prayed with me to receive Jesus. Amen? That's, uh, I mean, I'm five years old. I'm... I still think that I have that same mentality sometimes, but it was so simple. It was so easy. It was so, I I discovered something at five years old that I needed Jesus. And so I asked him to come into my life. And and so in that moment, from five years old to 17, I, I lived my life going to church. And that was what my faith was to me is going to church. I don't blame that on my mom. I don't blame that on anybody else. But it was the church that I had faith in. Because whenever I saw people mess up, uh, people in high position make bad choices and mess up, then I held it against God that somebody messed up. And that's not the way we should do things. And so at 17 years old, I, you know, I felt like I had the capacity to make my own decisions. Yeah, parents, you'll, you'll meet that at some point. But I had that, that thing that I wanted to make my own choices. So when I went to college, I kind of just went off the deep end. And I'd, I didn't feel like I rejected God. I still believed in God. But I rejected my faith, so to speak, in the church. And that reflected back on God. And so at... 24 years old, seven years, seven or six or seven years later, at 24 years old, I came to a place where I, I knew that my life was a wreck. My life was such a wreck. I mean, I was still living the way I wanted to and, and had everybody thinking that I was happy with where I was at. But my life was a wreck. I was hurt. I was I was a hurting unit, man. I was just hurting on the inside. Uh, I was trying to find something to ease my pain, and um, I was hurt. I was hungover. I was heartbroken. So many relationships that were failing around me that I had control over, that I lost control of, and, and I came to this place where I realized the gravity of my choices. I realized the gravity of my life and the wreck that, it, that I was in. And, and therefore, I, I came to a place where I had to believe. I, I didn't lose my belief in God, but I lost my belief in God. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, I knew there was a God. I acknowledged there was a God. I made mental assent to there was a God. And that at one point, I mean, I never said I was not a Christian, but there was a point at which I felt like that if I died right now, I'd go to hell. And and there was a realization of the gravity of my life and where it was going. And that I had, to some degree, rejected God. And the question came to me of, would he ever have me back? Would he ever have me back? 
So as I was reading this Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, reading this verse 6, I saw that, that piece of that, uh, scripture that said, the man who draws near to God must believe that there is a God. What it's telling us is, is that we have to, we have to believe that there is a God. And there's a point of which he's not sitting up in heaven on his throne with this big baseball bat in his lap. And, you know, when you mess up, and he's not ready to kill you if you mess up. And, and we have to understand, we have to understand that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's, the, it's His goodness. Not that He has a big old Louisville slugger. In Hebrews chapter 11 here in verse 1, New King James says, says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, Faith is. This is the definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I looked up that word substance, the substance of things. The substance, it it all boils down to one word. The substance is the realization. Now faith is the realization of things hoped for. It's the realization. And, and there was that point in my, in my journey to try to get back to God because my life was such a wreck that I had to realize that He is God and that He is God. That He is God. Because what I understand is that relationship with God requires faith. It requires faith. It, it requires to, to believe and to have confidence in that this, the unseen is there. God, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen God. There may be people in here that's seen God. But probably the most of us have not seen God. Most of us have, may not have seen Jesus. So we, we take that, that trip of, of, well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But the fact of the matter is, is that God will reveal himself to those who sincerely look for him. That's what verse 6 says. It says that he will reveal himself to those who sincerely seek him. I remember that morning, 24 years old, sitting in that church, hung over. I mean, I, I'd, I'd stayed out and drank till three o'clock that morning, went home, promised some people I'd be at that church service. I probably shouldn't have been driving at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but I remember going in and sitting down in that church and, and, oh my gosh, I, my head hurt so bad. I had to sit down during praise and worship because I, I thought I was going to pass out or throw up. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Throw up all over the red carpet in that little bitty church. It was one of those things that that God showed up in spite of my hurting, in spite of my being hung over, in spite of my heartbreak, God showed up and revealed himself and said, I still love you. I still want you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you smell like right now. I don't care what you're trying to keep down. I love you. And I'm here. And I'm the God of a second chance. I'm a God of a hundred and fourth chance. I'm the God of 10,000 chances. Amen. Amen. That is our most important pursuit is to sincerely look for him. Sincerely chase him. Sincerely follow him with all of our heart. Because when we do mess up, it's the good of goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's how good he is. It says that we must believe that there is a God. That's what gets us faith in God. That's what gets us back to God. So, so here's, here's what I'm trying to say 
is that what brings you to God the first time is the same thing that brings you to God, brings you back to God any other time. If you've lost your faith in God, it's the same deal. It's the same thing of just sitting there and you don't have to wait till the end of the service when the preacher gives the invitation. You can be sitting there right now and go, God, I give you my life. I've been a, I've been a screw up. I've, I've allowed the circumstances, the, the day that we live in. I've allowed myself to step away from you and I'm not following you the way that I once followed you. And I want to come back and God will say, that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been waiting for. And it's the same thing that if you're sitting here and you go, I've never been in a relationship with God. I don't know what that's all about. Right now is your time. Because the Bible says now faith is the substance. Now faith. Now faith. It didn't say a while ago faith. Y'all understand that a while ago? It's not back here faith. And it's not faith that's going to happen at the end of service. It is now faith. It's right now. When you realize that God, that you have to believe in God and that there is a God, it's now. And if you need that, if you need to do that, I mean, you can sit there under your breath. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to pray a prayer. You just say, God, I, I know you're real and I want you. I give you my life, Jesus. Amen. So on, we're, we're moving on. When, when, when our faith in God is exhausted, when it's overwhelmed, when we find ourselves in a place where we don't feel like that we're, um, following him the way that we should, it will a lot of times pull back our faith in his word. So that's the second thing I want to talk about is faith in his word. How do we restore faith in his word? There's a lot of times that we think, well, I have faith in God. You know, I'm a Christian, but am I good enough for the promises of his word? Am I good enough for the promises of his word? That's sometimes why <clears throat> denominationalism is so dangerous sometimes. When we, when we get caught up in the denomination, I'm not saying the denomination is bad. I'm saying when we get caught up and, and we uh, try to label ourselves in a denomination and say this is what we are, there's a lot of times that we can get in that place and and begin to question our faith in God, begin to question His Word, if His Word is good enough for me. And and I don't know how many times that I've been there, that in different circumstances that I face, you know, when I was diagnosed in 2016, I'm like, okay, I believe your Word of healing, but is it really for me? I mean, I was taught that if you had enough faith, you would never be diagnosed with anything. If you, if you had, if your faith was strong, you wouldn't face any hardship. You wouldn't face any financial crisis. You wouldn't face any uh, social crisis. You wouldn't face any relationship crisis, health crisis. And so I automatically, you know, started believing that because I had been diagnosed by a doctor that, you know, it, did God's word really apply to me? Because I've laid hands on people and saw them get healed automatically. I saw a girl's eye be healed from the blindness and the scars on her, on her eyeball. I, I prayed for her. She was praising God that she could see. She went to the doctor and the doctor says, you don't have no scars on your eyeball anymore. Amen. When I, when I prayed for that little boy who was given a life sentence, of just about a year because he had a hole in his heart that they said, your, your son's going to die. And I prayed for him and he just got married the, uh, last year. I mean, he's, he grew up. He's not, <laughs> that was a long time ago, you know, but they said he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to live. And so I, I've done, I've seen God move in other people's lives. With me at the helm, just obeying and praying for a, for a person. But where am I, God? Am I good enough for your promises? Am I good enough for what your word says? And a lot of times we'll start asking those questions, you know, where 
You know, was I born with the capacity to have faith? You know, that did, my, my grandmother or my mom or my dad or whoever, they had, they had faith, but I don't know if I have it. Or, don't raise your hand, don't, you don't, you don't have to do the bob and dog here, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, but you're gonna, you can relate to it probably somewhere in your life, is that if I pray for faith, God will give me more. You know, praying, praying for more faith. And, and that's not, that's not a bad prayer, but I'm telling you, it's not very accurate. So what do I do when I've lost my faith in the Word of God? Or I've, I've depleted it. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17 it says this, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, the, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's, when you, when you read that, you know, there, there is a, uh, there is a study principle here. Because the word come, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That word comes in the in the King James version of the Bible, it says cometh, E-T-H on the end of the word, cometh. And whenever you're, most of y'all go, I don't like the King James version because it, it's hard to understand. I agree, it's hard to understand because it talks in old English language. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So somebody, you know, we're always looking for an easier to read uh, translation. But if you, the, that King James really holds some keys in it to understanding what that verse is saying. So with the, the word cometh in the King James, anytime you see, or most of the time when you see a word in the King James with the E-T-H on the end of it, it is a present participle in the Greek language. And a present participle in the Greek language means this, a continuous and repeated action. So when he says, so then faith comes or cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It, it's saying that it's a repeated and continual, a continual and repeated action. So faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And it just continues. I always like to put dot, dot, dot after that, you know, because it's just, it's, it's a continual hearing of the word of God. So faith doesn't come because we're just lucky enough to be born with it. We're, we are all born with the capacity to hear and understand what God's word says. I mean, you may have to go find you a better translation to, to, to understand what God's word says. But but make sure it's a translation that says what God's word says. That's scary, isn't it? Faith doesn't come because we're just born with it. It doesn't come because we've inherited it from our parents. It doesn't come because we've prayed for it. It's not about that. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Do, do, are there any like country music fans in here? You like country music? Um, maybe, maybe this, he is a very almost small unknown artist named Garth Brooks. Yeah. You know. So here's, here's a little thing that I want to test you on, okay? I want to test you on this. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a line from a song. I'm gonna try to sing it a little bit. It's gonna be terrible. I'm just preparing you, but you'll understand what I'm trying to say. But I want you to answer back the next line. Okay? I've got friends. Where the? Alright, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, this is like a Northbrook's concert. You know, he's up there and he's singing. 
That's why I don't go to Garth Brooks concerts is because I pay to hear him sing, not me. That's my personal pet peeve. If you like that kind of thing, more power to you. But how do we know that? How do we know that song? Because we've heard it and heard it and heard it. And if you can sing a song with whiskey and beer in it in church, <laughs> then I know you've heard it so many times and you've sang it out loud and you, you, it's like it's welded into your mind. How much more can the Word of God be that peace in our lives if we, if we will just hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it? And hear it. Y'all did a good job, by the way. Even though you said whiskey and beer. Let me tell you what. There's probably more whiskey and beer in the floor of this church than than any church you've ever been to. In, uh, In John chapter 20, if you want to go over there real quick, you can. In John chapter 20. In verse 31, it says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. The the thing that I saw here was it says, These are written that you may believe. Because the fact of the matter is, is we weren't living during these times, so we have to have it written. We, we didn't get to walk with Jesus like the disciples walked with Jesus. I mean, they're walking with Him. How much faith should they have? Yet they still make the same mistakes we make. They made the same mistakes that we make. Right? And so He says that these things are written that you may believe. Do you know why that Thomas was called the doubter? We'll try here in verse in back up back up to uh, verse twenty six here in just a minute. I'm going to say this first. Thomas was called the doubter because there was a point after the resurrection. Jesus is is revealing revealing himself to his disciples every now and then. He keeps. For the next 40 days after his resurrection, he begins to show up at different times with his disciples. So there's one time that the disciples are gathered in that same upper room that they were in waiting on Jesus to show up. And Jesus walks through the wall. I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, right through the wall. And he's in there. You know, they're, they're behind locked doors. They don't know what's happening. They don't know if they're going to be arrested or whatever. Jesus shows up, goes right through the wall. And he shows up, and so it's ten of them, ten of the disciples, ten of the twelve, because Judas has already killed himself, and Thomas, it says, is not there. So the other ten are there talking to Jesus, and when Jesus leaves and Thomas shows up, they said, Thomas, guess what? Jesus just right through the wall, and he, he was here, and Thomas says, I don't believe it. He says, I'm going to have to stick my finger in the the nail prints in his hands and I'm going to have to put my hand in his side before I'll believe it. How many of us live our life that way? That we don't believe the word because Jesus is the word. We don't believe the word until we see what the, the evidence of the word and then we'll believe. That's not the right way to live. That's why Thomas was called the doubter. I don't want to be called Darren the doubter. You know, you know, I show up at the pearly gates, you know, oh, here comes Doubting Darren again. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. But here in verse 26, it says this, And after eight days, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, were again inside, inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, so he, right through the wall, right? Everybody say, for All right. He came right through the wall. And he stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, I mean, Jesus already knew what Thomas had said. How would you like that? Jesus showed him and said, Hey, doubter, come here. 
Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing, you may have life in his name. 2,000 years later, it is still the same. This book has not been updated. Yet it's the best-selling book ever. Because it's still this way because we don't get to be with Jesus personally like Him show up in the room. Sometimes He does. Some people have been there when He showed up. Honestly, in my 30 plus years of being a Christian, I've never physically seen Jesus, but I've sensed him. And he's walked into the room. But that's because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Because the Bible was written, it was written by men. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, it says that it was written by, it was written by men that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, some people argue with it. It's, it's, man wrote that book. I mean, if God would sit down and wrote all the book, people would still argue with it in time and say, as a man that wrote that book. It's not about who wrote it. It's about who it is. It's about who it is. And it's still this way. So when we hear it and hear it and hear it, it begins to build and grow and expand and increase in our lives the expectation of our faith. It begins to drive that faith on the inside of us when we hear it and hear it and hear it. And, and we begin to get it down on the inside of us. It begins to grow and expand us. Amen? We, we need to grow and expand. I heard one preacher say that we need to be pregnant with the Word. That's what the Word does. It, it impregnates us to where we're, we, have to, we have to let it be to give birth to that. You know, We have to let it resonate on the inside of us. We hear it and we hear it and we hear it and we give birth to the Word when we step into the circumstances, especially when society, culture, politics medical field, especially when those things try to tell us who we are, we need to tell them who God is and what God is in our life. Amen? And we need to begin to expect the promises of God. That's why it's so important for us to read our Bible daily. So important. So important. And, And I'm not just talking about sitting down in your chair and going... No, you need to read it out loud. Because what? Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. And who are you going to believe better than anybody else? You. I believe me more than I believe anybody. And if we read it out loud, that's when it starts. I mean, we don't have to read it out loud all the time. But each day you ought to sit down with it at some point and read it out loud. I've got out of this habit. I need to get back in it. I need to, it's, it's not a daily to do checklist that you check. I got to read my Bible. Okay, check. I read one chapter. No, begin to have a relationship with it and to have a relationship. To have a relationship with my wife, I have to talk to her. We've got a whole marriage group that meets to learn how to talk to, to somebody. You know what I mean?
We're on the move. Reading the Bible out loud is what the way that we can really hear it. I mean, you can hear it from me. You can hear it from Lynette. You can hear it on podcasts. You can hear it anywhere. But until we start living that out loud, then we can't restore the Word of God into our life like we, like we should. The third thing that I want to talk to you about is restoring faith in humanity. And, and as I thought about this, I, I didn't, I did not want to go down this road because I think that, you know, faith in humanity. I mean, what's the point of faith in humanity? Cause that means I'm going to have to love everybody. <laughs> so I struggled, I struggled with this, with this thought is how can we restore faith in humanity? Because I didn't see that faith in humanity as a requirement or a salvation issue. I didn't think, well, you know, I, you know, I'm compromising my faith in God or I'm compromising my salvation in God if I have faith in humanity. And so as I got into it, things changed because we're all surrounded by humans. I mean, look to your left. Look to your right. Humans everywhere. <laughs> everywhere there's humans. And so the, the, the part that about faith in humanity is that we become responsible. Faith in humanity makes us responsible to love humans. What? It makes us responsible to love humans. And it's so easy. Let me, let me just say this. It makes it's responsible to love humans, good and bad humans. People you agree with politically and people you don't. You still gotta love them. That's why that one preacher says you gotta love me or you won't go to heaven. Whether you agree or disagree. And it's so easy to get caught up in the social, in the political, in the religious arena, because it's easy to get critical. It's so easy to, to disagree. It's, it's okay to disagree, but to become critical of those who you disagree with is where we get in trouble. When we uh, exalt our opinion over somebody else's opinion, I mean, it's good to have your opinion, and it's good to think that your opinion is right, but when it comes down to love, it's not. We limit the power of that. It's easy to get offended. It's easy to get into unforgiveness. It's easy to get into hostility. Hostility. I mean, we can, we can just rip somebody apart if we don't agree with them. It's easy to get critical. It's easy to write people off. I, I don't even want to be around them. And, and those people that you get, to the point of writing them off, they're your family. So easy to say, I'm not going to spend any time around them because they tick me off. They peeve me. And as a pastor, this happens all the time for me. I cannot tell you how many thousands of people have been through our doors and how many thousands have left. Most of them leave just because they don't fit the culture of our church, and that's okay. But a lot of times people leave because they're mad at me, or they're mad at me and my wife. You just don't want me to pick her up and go sick them. <laughs> but, but people leave sometimes. People leave angry. People leave mad. People leave critical. People leave, leave offended. And, I mean... How, how does not, how does that not wear on a minister in time? Let me tell you something, it does. But I had somebody come to me one time and they said, what do you do when somebody gets mad and leaves the church? I, what was that? Stone, <laughs> Stone them. <laughs> exactly, I'm coming over to Jeff's house. No, they, they say, what do you do when somebody gets mad and leaves and badmouths you and talks behind your back and starts another ministry? What do you do? I, I just invest in the next one. 
I mean, I have to forgive them and let them do what God's telling them to do or what they're telling themselves to do is calling it God. I don't know. That's just my critical opinion. But I have to just, I have to let them go and I have to take the ones that are here that I can invest in and, and not, not build a wall around myself and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to minister to them anymore. I'm not going to minister to humanity anymore. Forgive and move on because God has our heart. He has it. He has our heart. He knows our heart. He's protecting our heart. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, it says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When I read that, that one drove a nail through my heart. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So you know what that tells me? That faith in humanity is a salvation issue. It is a salvation. And and where it starts is with me. Humanity starts with me. If I can truly forgive somebody who, humanity who has not been easy to love, and I can walk in love towards them, then I can begin to inspire those around me to see that faith in humanity is about loving them. It's about forgiving them. It's about letting their trespasses against you go. Now listen to me. Forgiving someone doesn't mean what they did to you is right. But it reflects on them, not on you. The forgiveness of it reflects on you. I I love this word forgive because forgive means to forgive. Forgive. To decide to give pardon before you judge them. If I know I'm going into a situation that is going to be a confrontational, be hard situation for me to speak into, that I have the ability to hurt somebody with my words because they hurt me first, I have to decide before I go into that into that moment that I'm going to walk in forgiveness first. Not walk in this place where I receive what they're doing and then forgive. Most of us respond, have to respond in forgiveness. Most of us have to, have to post-confrontation forgive. But forgive means to for, be for. Pardon them before you even enter into that situation, especially if you know it's going to be tough. Especially if you know it's going to be confrontational. Forgive them before they even. And if, and if you're sitting here today and I have to go into a conversation with you, a confrontation with you, I know that I'm coming forgiving you, but when you come forgiving me at the same moment, man, what a great conversation we can have. It's, it's no longer a confrontation. It's a conversation because we're both walking in this love towards one another and we're forgiving before we even get there. How much, this just come to me, how much... How much less counseling would humanity need if they entered into into to conversations that are hard with forgiveness in front of us? I'm sorry, Becky. I just probably just ruined your whole business by saying that. No, no there's still enough of it out there, isn't there? But the fact of the matter is, is how much? How much could we let go of and not carry with us if we were in forgiveness? See, Peter came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 and said, how many times do I have to forgive them? Seven? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. 
And when Jesus said 70 times 7, that's 490 times in one day and one person. I know that many of you are in contact with different people, many people during the day. Are you getting, are you picking up what I'm laying down? 490 times, one person in one day. And it all starts over tomorrow. Because generosity and giving are God's method. They're a God method. He is a generous God. He is a good God. John 3.16 says that, that, that He gave His only Son. His generosity was His everything. He gave His only Son to us. In Luke 6.38 it says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together and running over. How much of pressed down and shaking together and running over of forgiveness do you need? How much can you give? See, our generosity is our responsibility. And our generosity and our giving and our forgiving restores faith in humanity. It starts with us. Last scripture, I'm going to close with this. Deuteronomy. Chapter 30, verse 1 through 3. And this is from the message translation. It says, here's what will happen. While you're out among the nations where God has dispersed you and blessings and curses come in just the way that I have set them before you and you and your children take them seriously and come back to God, your God, and obey him with your whole heart and soul according to everything that I command you today, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. Faith in God. Faith in His Word. Faith in humanity. God says, I'll restore all of this if you'll just walk in the goodness of who I am. If you'll obey what my Word says you'll hear what I'm saying and and make it a part of your lifestyle. Make it a part of your lifestyle. He says, I will restore everything that you have lost. Everything. Everything. So imagine, imagine what it'd be like in this world. Imagine what humanity would be like. Imagine what the word of God can do in your life. if we'll just allow him to restore those things because we walk in obedience to his word, walk in obedience to his voice, walk in obedience to the, 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 the impression, the inspiration of the spirit of God. Imagine what this world would be. It starts with us. And if, and if we'll just do what God says, He will restore everything that we've lost. Amen? You received that this morning? Bob and Doug. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I praise you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the goodness of God that leads every man to repentance. And Father... Once again, I just, I worship you and I praise you. I worship you and praise you, God. I thank you for the joy of the Lord that's here. I thank you, God, for each and every person who has heard this word today and who begins to um, write that on their heart, God. And as, as we come back to you, God, and as we restore the word of God in our lives that God as we hear the word that we hear and hear and hear and hear and it gets so down deep on the inside of us God that that it's just it's just like singing that Garth Brooks song it's just a part of who we are God then it becomes your word that that restores everything in our lives God and I thank you for faith in humanity again God I thank you that it starts in church. It starts here because God, when we stop loving each other, the world gets worse and worse. But God, help us love each other 
help us love what's going on, what what the people that's in this world. God, even in, even in times of of uh, struggle, even in times of tension, God, that we love people, and I thank you and I praise you for it. God, help us be people of forgiveness, as you have forgiven us. Father, once again, I pray that if there's anybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, on the internet, on on podcasts, whatever the case may be, God, in this moment, if they've never given their life to you, if they've never given their life to Jesus, God, right now, I pray that they would just say, I give my life to you, Jesus. I give my life to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus. Thank you for your love, the pureness of who he is, the pureness of your Holy Spirit. Fill us, fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Becky, come on.